What's up? Welcome in. Today I'm trying out something totally new, but it's been on my heart to try for a while, and that is just reading straight from the Bible. I've been studying the Bible more than I have. It feels like more than I have possibly ever, but I think because it's King James Version, it's not as diluted as some of the newer translations are in my opinion, so I feel like King James, broken down by the application commentary, for me, is so helpful. So I wanted to read about Job. I don't know how often Job is talked about, or how many people really know about him, but his story is one of the biggest that stands out to me. So I apologize, there's going to be planes, machines, birds, wind, during this episode. So, I don't expect a lot of people to, uh, <laughs> engage with this one, but that's okay. I still feel like I'm doing something good in my heart, so. This goes from verse or paragraph of the Bible. Oh, or trucks. No, that's a plane. Yeah, plane. Job 1-1. There was a man in the land of Uz. Uz? Not Oz. We can't be certain where Uz was. It is believed to have been somewhere in the desert area modern-day Syria, but that is only speculation. Whose name was Job? We don't exactly know who Job was historically. It could be that he was the Jobin mentioned in Genesis 10. If that be so, he would be a contemporary of Abraham, the patriarch, and that would place him around the year 2000 BC. Job literally means hated. Indeed, Job would be the one that was hated by Satan, yet loved by God. And that man was perfect. We may not know exactly where Uz was or who Job was, but we do know he was perfect. This doesn't mean he was sinless. It means he was spiritually mature, and that man was perfect and upright. Job was a straight arrow, a man of integrity, and the one that feared God and eschewed evil. Job was truly a good man. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Job had ten kids. His substance was also seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels, and five hundred yoke of oxen and five hundred asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Super interesting, Job is the modern-day Abraham, and Abraham God put through trials to test his faith and make him a man of faith. I personally am reading through Genesis, and this is Job. I love how Job and Abraham are compared as similar, similar souls. Not only was Job's quiver full of kids, but he was wealthy beyond description. He was Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Donald Trump all rolled up into one. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day. His day could refer to a birthday, or it could mean Job's sons took turns hosting parties, and sent and called for his three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, It may be my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Evidently, Job cared about his children's spiritual welfare so deeply that he offered individual sacrifices on their behalf, lest they doubt, ignore, or dishonor God. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them also. The sons of God is referring to angels in the Old Testament. As they presented themselves before the Lord, Satan was in their number. Although he had been cast out of heaven for his attempt to make himself equal to God, he still must give account to God. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down in it. In other words, where have you been? 
God asked Satan, not that he needed the information, but in order to begin a conversation. From going to and fro in the earth, Satan answered. Peter tells us that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. On the other hand, in Chronicles 16.9, we read that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to find a man whose heart is towards him on behalf of whom he might show himself strong. In other words, Satan goes about seeking whom he might devour, while the Lord goes in seeking who he might empower. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? The Hebrew word translated considered referred to what a spy would do when he scoped out enemy territory to find weakness and vulnerability. Thus the Lord said to Satan, What do you think about Job? Have you checked him out? Have you probed? Are you aware of his heart toward me? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? The implication here is that Satan had already probed and tried to get Job to fall. You've put a hedge around him, so I can't get to him, Satan said. Isn't it good to know that the Lord has Satan totally under control? There is a hedge around Job, and there is one around you and me too. God is our shield and our protector, according to 1 Corinthians 10.13. He won't allow us to be tempted above which we are able to bear, but will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. Nothing can come to us or at us without the Lord allowing it for his sovereign purpose. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan insists that Job is a mercenary, and the only reason he walks with God is because God blesses him, and that Job's only in it for the money. In doing so, Satan questions man before God, just as in the Garden of Eden. He had questioned God before man. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself. Put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You can take what Job has, God says to Satan, but don't touch him. Satan had challenged God's honor in effect, saying, You have no inherent right to receive worship because people wouldn't worship you if you didn't bribe them with things. They don't love you for who you are and wouldn't love you if you took your blessings away. As the angels and demons watched, they said, Is that true? So now the issue would be settled in an incredible cosmic duel. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking in wine in their eldest brother's house, and there came a messenger unto Job, and said the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and only I am escaped, alone to tell thee. A messenger came to Job and said, You've lost your livestock. While yet he was speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and only I escaped alone to tell thee. Before the first messenger had finished speaking, a second messenger told Job his sheep and servants had been killed by lightning. While he was yet speaking, there also came another. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I am escaped alone to tell thee. Before the second messenger finished speaking, a third told Job his children had been killed by a tornado. Thus Job's finances and his family, his prosperity, were all gone. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. 
A man of remarkable insight and maturity, Job released his emotion not through ranting, raving, cursing, complaining, weeping, wailing, but through worship. It's like, what? When Paul and Silas were in the dark, dark dungeon, they began to sing praises to the Lord. They began to worship the one they loved and served. And as they did, the prisoners' doors opened wide. The amazing thing is this. Not a single prisoner escaped. Why? I suggest it was because they were so amazed that Paul and Silas praised God in the dungeon that they wanted to stick around and see how the rest of the story would unfold. The same can be true of us. When you feel it's a dark and damp and dank and dungeony, when you feel as though everything you were hoping for, everything you entrusted has been taken away, it's your opportunity to do what Job did, to do what Paul and Silas did. That is, you can say, I'm going to worship you, Lord, because you're in control and you know what's best. Job didn't have chapter one to read. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know anything about Satan's challenge throughout this whole ordeal, and perhaps not until he got to, to heaven. But that didn't matter. He chose to worship nonetheless, and untold millions of lives have been impacted by his story. Dude, I mean, that is just the start of okay. 40 incredible chapters about Job, and I don't know if I'll read all of them on here. This was kind of the first of its kind. People really might not engage with these types of episodes. I'm impacted by Job and his attitude. He lost everything like that. I mean, four me three messengers come and they're like, dude, you, you just lost everything. And he shaves his head, doesn't rant at God, and said he chooses to worship. That is not a spot that I could find myself right now. I don't like th situations that are unfair. I will fight to make sure that I see that situation correct itself into fairness. So for something so unfair to happen, I can recognize in my heart I would not be able to worship. And I don't know if there's maturity or immaturity spiritually in saying that. I'm not sure. Hopefully I would surprise myself. But whatever. Thanks, thanks for listening. <laughs> there wasn't much to watch, so. Alright, peace guys. See you next week.